Hey, everybody, love talking about my friends at Steel. That's S-T-I-H-L, SteelUSA.com. You see all of their products, SteelDealers.com. You find their locations around the country. There's more than 10,000, so there's one right around the corner. Order your product, and you can have it picked up, you know, days later and get going. By the way, now's a wonderful time. Spring is not that far away to do some shopping because they have a lot of deals going. They have uh, money-saving deals on trimmers, on blowers, on mowers. And I came across one and it it struck a chord with me because I was on one of these at their warehouse about a year or so ago. And that is the zero turn mower. 0% financing available currently on the zero-turn mowers. So I'm driving around their warehouse on the zero-turn mower, uh, pretending that I'm cutting a lawn. I cannot tell you how cool that thing was. It was remarkable. Really neat stuff. So as you know, Steel always has deals going. They have the best products on the market. Check them out right now. S-T-I-H-L, SteelUSA.com, SteelDealers.com. It's February. Springer's around the corner. You're going to save money. Go see them today. This week on the Drew Goodman Podcast, bound for Cooperstown. I mean, it's just something that's so surreal and it's such an honor and it's so, you know, such a collective uh, group to be in. What surprised Todd Helton most after his induction to the Baseball Hall of Fame? The biggest thing uh, was how excited my, my girls were for it to happen. And not just my award, it's the, the whole family award. Everybody, everybody chipped in, everybody did their part, and they made it possible for me to go out and play and just to focus on baseball. Subscribe to the Drew Goodman Podcast wherever you find podcasts and tell all your old teammates. This is the Drew Goodman Podcast. Welcome in, everybody. Show number 241. It is officially Super Bowl week as we tape this on a Wednesday, a few days away from the Kansas City Chiefs trying to go back to back against the San Francisco 49ers in what hopes to be, what promises to be, fingers crossed, a really good matchup, an entertaining matchup. There's a possibility points are scored. There's a possibility this thing goes down to the final moments of the game. And uh, everyone worldwide is entertained. I begin with the most important element of the Super Bowl now, and that is prop bets. The prop bets are cool. I did something on this a, a year ago. I'm not a better. Uh, but uh, I'm always enamored with some of the things you can bet on when it comes to the Super Bowl. Some of the mainstays like under over, over under, whatever way you're supposed to phrase that, on um, the length of the anthem, the Gatorade bath, when they throw Gatorade on the winning head coach, what color will it be? We've heard of those in the past, but now because of Travis Kelsey's better half with Taylor Swift, We have specific prop bets with Taylor Swift, so I thought I'd go over some of those. One of them, and you can get this on many different sites, will Travis Kelsey in the aftermath of the Super Bowl propose (laughs) to Taylor Swift? So I'm going to pretend I'm betting on these. No, no friggin' way. No, 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 no. I, I think that may be the best prop bet of all of them that I saw. Will the MVP of the game, it doesn't have to be Travis Kelsey, let's say it's Patrick Mahomes, mention Taylor Swift. Maybe it's a 49er, maybe it's Christian McCaffrey. Will they mention Taylor Swift? I'm saying no, 
That's how I would bet, unless it was Kelsey who was the MVP. Hard for a tight end to be an MVP, though. He's been great in the postseason. You know, you catch 11 passes, maybe a couple of scores. Maybe he's the MVP and, and not the quarterback. But you know how it's going to go. It's going to be the, one of the two quarterbacks, typically. Maybe, maybe if San Francisco wins, it's Christian McCaffrey. All right, here's another prop bet. <laughs> Will CBS document in some way, whether it be a map or or perhaps video of her arriving in Las Vegas, will Taylor Swift going from Tokyo to Las Vegas, will in some way, shape, or form CBS show the map, as I said, the length of time? Will they dedicate a few moments to that? On that particular prop bet, I'm going to bet, yes, they will. Yes, they will. And the last one I chose specific to Taylor Swift on this uh, on this particular site of prop bets for the Super Bowl. Will there be a shot post-game of Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift kissing? I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say yes, because even if they were to lose the game, there's probably a decent chance she comes down on the field. And how else would he greet her? And I'm there's only six billion cameras there, and CBS has five billion of them. So I'm going to say yes. So I, those are my four prop bets that stood out to me that were specific to Taylor Swift. And um, so there you go. So um, maybe you're going to, Bet some of those and, and utilize my advice. It's free, free advice, free advice. As for the Super Bowl, I'm not going to bore you with trying to break it down. Everybody and their brother and sister and aunt and uncle break down uh, the Super Bowl. What I hope is for, and I'm not copping out on this, I don't have a dog in the hunt. And here's why I don't have a dog in the hunt. Usually I will pick a side that I'm, that I'm semi-rooting for. It's not the New York Giants, so win or lose for any, either team, I'm going to be able to go to sleep at night. And quite frankly, at, at this juncture of my life, even if the Giants were involved and they lost, I'd be really bummed out, um, but I could go to sleep at night. I realized I had no control over this sort of thing. Um, but I love Patrick Mahomes. I think he's a, a great player, clearly. I think he's a cool dude. I think he's a, a humble guy. I think he's a really likable guy. He falls under the yes category of would you like to have a beer with 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 Patrick Mahomes and would he be an everyday guy and from all indications yes he would and same deal for Travis Kelsey i know some people are over Travis Kelsey i think he is uh, authentic i think he's funny i think he brings great energy to the room i think he'd be hysterical to have a, a beer or six with i'm not a guy that typically has six beers but so I root for those guys. They're fun. They're great. They're entertaining. So I root for the Chiefs. I know that's not what you're supposed to say out here in Denver, but I do. I think they're really good. They're great for the game. On the other hand, you have Christian McCaffrey with the 49ers. Local kid. Love watching him play. Love watching him play at high school. In high school, love watching him play in, at Stanford. I root hard for Christian McCaffrey. I think he's a great kid. He's a great player. 
you know, there's the Shanahan ties. I don't know Kyle Shanahan, uh, but, you know, there's ties to Denver. So either way, you know, if the 49ers win, good deal. If the Chiefs win, good deal. That's that's kind of how I'm, I'm viewing this Super Bowl, and I hope it's really entertaining. I hope it goes down to the, uh, you know, the final possession, and then we all win. So that's uh, that's my view of the Super Bowl. You know, one of the other things I was thinking about, because I was talking to a buddy of mine. Well, I was talking to Marky, Marky, who, who produces uh, the show and engineers it. And we were talking about, you know, Mike Shanahan kind of originally because, you know, Kyle's his son. Saw something on the Pat McAfee show. Uh, Shannon Sharp was on. And, you know, that picture that went um, uh that was on Instagram not too long ago and, and got a lot of views with uh, like a two-year-old Christian McCaffrey on the lap of, of you know, Unk, right? On the, on the lap of uh, Shannon Sharp. Because Shannon Sharp said, you know, he's known Christian since he was a baby with Eddie being his teammate and, and a good friend. And he's also known Kyle Shanahan, he said, since he was 12 when he was naturally at camp most days because his dad was the head coach. And... Kyle Shanahan seems like, you know, a really likable guy, but we started talking about all the Bronco coaches and Mike Shanahan, you know, brought an intensity naturally, but, and maybe it's because of the success and, and in the interactions that I did have with Mike, I always liked Mike. I think Mike's a straight shooter and was one hell of a coach, a hall of fame uh, type of coach. And you go, even Dan Reeves, I, I mean, I did some games when Dan had moved on to Atlanta with him. And I always liked Dan and, and you keep moving forward and, and you think of guys like um, that, that were head coaches, you know, briefly Wade Phillips was one of the most likable guys you'll ever meet in football. Uh, John Fox, John Fox, really likable guy. And and you keep on going down the line. Uncle Vic. I know they didn't have the success that, that Broncos country wanted. Uncle Vic, likable guy. Uh, Vance Joseph, likable guy, and, he's, and, and certainly, you know, he's bad. Nathaniel Hackett, likable guy. <laughs> you, get, you know what I'm warming to here? I don't know Sean Payton, and like probably many of you, have gotten after him a little bit for, I think, at times, trying to scold the media, talk down to the media, which, if they're talking down to the media, they're talking down to you as a fan, because the media, when done right, is a conduit to Bronco country. And he may be privately a great guy, but that's not the public persona right now. And so I I just, again, was talking to Marky about this uh, because you're, you're going over the litany now of, of Bronco coaches, and there's been, unfortunately, because of the lack of success, a number of them since the Shanahan era. And, and hopefully, listen... I don't have, it's not like I'm running to be best friends with Sean Payton. Probably paths will almost never cross, right? It has nothing to do with that. But uh, I do hope he has success. Uh, but right now, I was thinking back to some of the other guys, and you're like, okay, easier guy to root for. And when you're not doing well and you're tough to root for, that's not typically a good combination. Uh, by the way, the two coaches involved, obviously, we talked about Kyle Shanahan. Um, easy to root for, especially uh, being here in Denver. And, and who doesn't like Andy Reid? He's like your granddad, right? He's like your uncle. 
It's like your uncle always brings, you know, sneaks you the extra piece of chocolate under the table when uh, when mom said, you know, no more dessert, right? Who doesn't like Andy Reid? You ever heard a player complain about Andy Reid? You ever heard a player go, eh, after leaving Kansas City or Philadelphia, go, nah, not my guy, man. Yeah, phony. You know, overrated. Never hear anything like that about Andy Reid. So anyhow, a few days away, and hopefully it is a great, great Super Bowl. One more football note before we get to uh, not only our guest of the week, but, you know, the guest, hopefully, of the year, because he's he's earned that right, the new Hall of Famer, uh, Todd Helton. But Bill Belichick, I didn't mention this last week. So the latest coaching cycle has concluded, and the hottest name out there, once he parted ways with New England and the Kraft family, was Bill Belichick. 72 years young, still energetic, still wearing his hoodie, still wanting to coach desperately. And not only, I don't think just selfishly because he wants to become the all-time winningest NFL coach and surpass Don Shula. He loves what he does. And he got an interview, I guess a couple of interviews with Arthur Blank in Atlanta. And ultimately that did not work out. And to the best of our knowledge, what has been reported, he didn't get another interview. Was it the recent resume was it ownership slash GMs of teams that were looking for a head coach that wanted to go younger, newer, were concerned about Bill Belichick? If he's in your building, he's going to take over everything. I wonder what it was, but it seemed like foregone conclusion. Bill Belichick will have whatever job he wants. Who wouldn't hire Bill Belichick, the goat of coaches? And now Bill Belichick is going to sit out this year. And then once you're out, now if you're out and you're 45, you're going to be able to get back in. Will Bill Belichick be able to be a head coach once again in the NFL? And where it seemed like a silly and absurd question a month ago, seems like uh, one where you pause and say, maybe not, based on what just transpired. I hope he gets another shot. I, I think, you know, certain guys like that, they're they're good for the league. And I think Bill Belichick's good for the league. So we'll see what happens. All right. On to Todd Helton. Todd, as you know, on January 23rd, got the, the greatest news of his baseball career. And that is that he was going to be enshrined into the Baseball Hall of Fame. Um, we talked a lot about Todd. Um, I, I adore him. Um, I'm thrilled for him and his family. Told you all of those things. And, you know, Todd's never been one that likes to talk about himself. I, I kidded him from afar, uh, you know, that he was going to have to do so many different interviews. And he, handled, and he handled them great. But I wanted to get him on. He was gracious to come on uh, a few days ago. And we talked about, you know, some of the things that were not necessarily covered in the multitude of interviews that he did in the immediate aftermath of learning that he was a Hall of Famer. So it's a little bit different bend on Todd Helton and his athletic career, which culminates in July in enshrinement into Cooperstown and baseball immortality. The all-time Rocky 
the first baseman, 17, Todd Helton. All right, you've had a, a week to have it kind of resonate or so, several days. Um, was there any part of this whole thing, hearing the great news and your reaction that's kind of surprised you a little bit? You know, I, I think the biggest thing was how excited my, my girls were for for it to happen. Um, you know, they were, and my wife, they were, they were more excited than I was. And, you know, that was kind of, that was really cool to see my my daughters get that excited about that yeah and it's and you know what's neat also is obviously they're um you know tierney fate's a young adult and it, you know they're they're plenty old enough as opposed to if you flash back to when you played you know probably you know some images of when you played but this is different isn't it it is it is you know gentry will definitely remember all all this and uh well she's she, you know part of it you know it's it's not just my award; it's the the whole family award. Everybody, everybody's hipped in. Everybody did their part. Uh, you know, they, they made it possible for me to go out and play and just to focus on baseball instead of everything else. I I know that your least favorite topic, and I used to kid you when I on the occasion when we chat, quote unquote, on the air um, when you were playing. Your least favorite topic is talking about yourself, and I and I respect the hell out of that because it's genuine, genuine humility. Um, was there any point though, as I say that and ask you late in your career, was there any point where you go, shoot, I may have put together enough of a resume to one day go to Cooperstown? Did you did you allow that thought to take place? No. No, I never, I mean, that never really crept in. Right. Uh, I don't think I ever really thought I was going to make it uh, until I, until the phone rang. I mean, it's just something that's so surreal and it's such an honor and it's so, you know, such a selective uh, group to be in. Um, you know, that, that part of it's just amazing that you're, that now you belong to this club of, you know, those baseball players, um, you know, that, that have ever played. That's very good. Yeah, you know what I really like about it is that of, of all the Hall of Fames um, of the four major sports in our country, it's the hardest ass one to get in. I mean, and and I don't always like the process. I I, I don't want to bore you with you know. There's people voting who shouldn't friggin' vote, but that that's a whole other story. But it's hard. It, it they don't they you got to be really effing good to get in. Yeah, I think that's the way they wanted it, and uh, if. That is the case. Um, you know, I, I'm, I mean, it's, you know, like I said before, it's not something that I, when I went out and played that I was playing for. I played because I loved the game and I, you know, I wanted to win. But, um, it is a, it is a, a good, a good surprise at the end of a long career. Yeah. Have you heard from somebody, and I'm sure you've heard from a lot of somebodies, but have you heard from someone that, you know, either surprised you or or you were like, "Holy shit, this dude's giving me a call." Um, you know, it's probably the, you know, I, I talked to a few Hall of Famers, you know, that night. Uh, and I talked to George Brett, and he, he was awesome, and um, you know, got got texts from a, a lot of other people. Um, right. you know, people that I haven't haven't talked to in a long time. Um, you know, which was which was really cool. I I loved your line on Jeter. What did I say? 
No, you said, you know, you were, you were going over people you had heard from and you mentioned Brett, you mentioned G, you know, all these guys I idolized growing up and then you wanted to go, well, not Jeter. Cause I'm assuming cause you were contemporaries. You didn't want to say you idolized him. Right. Absolutely. No. Yeah. Yeah. I know you respect the hell out of him, but absolutely. So, um, have you thought about And I got to know your dad when he, when he was with us and, and he was, by the way, he was he was great with me because my as you know, you know my boys and and they were at that time little baseball players and you know your dad, man, he was always giving hitting lessons uh, for me to pass on and and et cetera. Ha, have you been able to kind of get your arms around what his reaction would be? You know, I think this is would be the biggest the biggest award. Obviously, it is the biggest award, but for him. To know that um, I made the Hall of Fame would be, uh, I think it's mind-blowing. Uh, he would be so excited and happy. Yeah, I wish I could share uh, this time with him and this whole experience with him because, you know, he taught me everything about the game. And him and my mom spent a lot of time out in the backyard working with me and playing with me. You know, I was a little boy and I want to do it every day. And, uh, you know, they went out there and... Uh, yeah, Tennessee heat and Tennessee cold, and you know, did it all with me. It was, uh, you know, it, it obviously was an obsession, and you, and your dad was a heck of a player. Different, a, a different era in that uh, I believe. Correct me if I'm wrong. He played a couple of years in the Twins organization, and then and then back then, you know, you you had to go get a job, man, because there was no guarantee, right? Yeah, you know, he he decided to to stay home and get a job and support the family you know i respect that yeah no question how much of uh, this uh, this wild one because i also remember your dad talking about things he learned in overlapping with with a young rod carew in the twins organization and some of that he passed on to you do you recollect that oh absolutely um we i think um you know when we had a vcr i remember having one tape and that tape was a uh, whether it be the baseball monster Saturday baseball where Rod Crew was talking about hitting, talking about, um, you know, players shouldn't even worry about pulling the ball until he gets, you know, out of high school. And, uh, you know, that was my Bible. And I, I watched it, and I'm not going to say every day, but I watched it a heck of a lot, you know, I studied everything about it. And I would watch it, you know, right in my downstairs and take five steps out the garage and, and work on it, hitting hitting into a fishing net in my garage. Yeah. And I think most people who certainly know your story, certainly are good Rockies fans know, you know, the boat story and, you know, you, if you pull it, you hit the boat. That would not have been a good thing with dad. Nope. Um, I had, I had Hopper on last week who uh, remains, you know, one of your closest friends. And, and I said to him and, and he, you know, thoroughly concurred. I said, I think Todd's favorite, you know, if you could pick, one ball off the barrel it wasn't you know hitting it into the it's great hitting it into the bullpen or whatever and jogging around the bases it it was a uh, you know smoking a double to left center field yeah that, is that fair yes that's definitely fair um yeah oh you know i came into the big leagues being a doubles hitter and you know gap to gap and that's what i tried to myself on to get the ball the other way but to me the perfect swing would be um you know hard line drive to left center field yeah. You know, one of the things that I, I've talked to you about a little bit and you're always self-deprecating, 
Um, but it, it came out more and more over the last couple of weeks. And, and, and some people didn't know that, A, you played football at Tennessee, and, B, you were the starting quarterback, unfortunately, because of an injury for a short period of time. Then, of course, you know, your close friend Peyton uh, takes over. Were you as competitive in football when you were in that realm? I mean, I, something tells me you had to be because you can't play in the SEC if you're just, like, in it half-assed. Yeah. My, you know, my brother played for Alabama, and I can remember one of, one of his uh, roommates saying, we were talking about players, and he said, it's the SEC, everybody's pretty good. <laughs> so, you know, I, I don't think of myself as a good football player, but I had to have been okay to get a football scholarship and, at the University of Tennessee. Uh, was, I don't think I was as competitive, especially not in practice and stuff like that. But I think once the competition started, um, you know, I, I definitely wanted to go out and perform. Um, I love pipes. I mean, I enjoyed Friday nights. Um, uh, college football is a different, different animal. It's, uh, you know, it's a full-time job and it's, it's a lot of work and, you know, it's, yeah, I knew I was going to be a baseball player and wanted to be a baseball player. So, you know, showing up for football practice, uh, it was a little harder than showing up for baseball because, you know, I, I knew I was going to be a baseball player and, you know, I love the game of baseball. Yeah. And you used to t- tell a story about there were some times where if you had a moment, I, I, it had to be more than a moment, you'd actually steal away and you'd have football gear on, say the shoulder pads, I'm sure, and swing the bat in the cage because they were they were in close proximity? They were. You know, at the end there, right, um, we would break for, for team stuff, and uh, the kickers would jog off. And, you know, I looked like a kicker anyway, so I just, uh, <laughs> just jogged off with them. And, uh, you know, I would uh, go, go straight to the cage and, you know, hit for a couple hours. Um, right. Yeah, you know, I... I don't think any. I, I don't know if they knew or not, but they didn't care. They, they knew I was a baseball player at that point. Yeah. What um, What was your best attribute when you were playing? I mean, when you were starting and 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 uh, you know you beat Georgia, I believe uh, that year before getting hurt. What What was your best attribute as a quarterback? Probably my ability to hand the ball off. <laughs> I became really good at that. Yeah, you got really good at that. Did you realize? that Peyton was Peyton or did you think, okay, he, he, he's really gifted or I mean, what was your thought on, he was a freshman. I know he was well celebrated coming in. His dad obviously was an all time great, but what were your thoughts watching him? To me, you know, growing up in the South, Archie Manning is a, you know, a godlike figure. So, you know, I I really didn't care about Peyton. I was more excited to to meet his dad coming into the whole thing. He he knew more coming into it than I learned in, in three years. So I knew mentally he he was there. You know, I, I couldn't tell. You know, I, there was I played with Heath Schuler and you know Brandon Stewart was uh, in in Peyton's class, and there was a bunch of they're they're all good quarterbacks. Um, so it's kind of hard. You know, it's, it's for me it was hard to tell being in the situation whether you know I knew we were going to be good and I know he's going to play in the NFL, but to be one of the best ever, you know, that's hard kind of hard to imagine. Yeah, absolutely. Brandon Stewart, man, you take me back because I remember doing some A&M games after he transferred from Tennessee and he was a starter at A&M. Yeah, I, we, I went out with some friends after a game in Houston years, years later. And, you know, sitting there eating and he, he walks up and says, hey, Todd. And, you know, 
I would have never recognized him. So it was great to see him again. Yeah, that's pretty wild. Small world. Um, I asked you this once, and I was talking to somebody naturally about you in the last week, and they did not realize, A, that you pitched at Tennessee, and this is a baseball guy, didn't realize you pitched and didn't realize how good a pitcher you were. Um, I I asked you not too long ago when we were chatting about Shohei, because, you know, Shohei's a freak, right? And I was and I was wondering, do you feel like you could have walked off a of first base and, and at least matched up back when a reliever could face two tough lefties and then get the hell out of there? Do you think you could have done that early on? Yeah, you know, I mean, against lefties, um, you know, I pitched lefties like I didn't want to be pitched, you know, didn't want to face. I didn't want to see a sidearm or a guy from different angles that um, that would run the ball in on you. And, you know, I just kind of kind of pitched lefties like I, like I didn't want to be pitched. And as far as college players, it worked. I mean, the big league's a different animal, and you know you can make really good pitches and they can get hit really hard. So I don't know. I, I you know, I, nothing to any like show here or anything like that. I didn't have that stuff. But left on left, you know, I, I could have been could have been a matchup problem. How much did you start at, at Tennessee, or was it all out of the pan, or was it a mix? Well, you know, when when the SEC tournaments and the NCAA tournaments started, I would start the first game of the series and then leave the next how many ever there was. So, I, you know, when I was in time, I would start, you know, the innings and then um, close the rest of the game. All right, I've never asked you this one. Are you more proud of, uh, I, I believe, I'll, I'll probably screw some of this up, and you're not going to help me out, I know. I think you were two-time All-American and Golden Spikes, and I, I mean, you were super celebrated, as you should be, for everything you did offensively. Are you more proud of the accomplishments offensively, or are you more proud of the fact for a long period of time and you had the NCAA record for shutout streak on the mound? Kind of surprises people, but... To me, um, when you're when you're closing and when you're, when you're on the mound, you, you have control of the game, and I enjoyed that. I enjoyed the whether you won or lost, being um, directly on your on your shoulders. And yeah, we won the SEC tournament every year I was there, um, and you know we, we did some things at Tennessee that um, they hadn't they had done in a long, long time. What was the final number of shutout streak? 47, 49, I'm not somewhere around there. Yeah, which is absurd. I mean, that that's a joke. Did any, did Was there any team out there that had interest in, in you as a pitcher, or was it obvious, you know, you had to, you know, they had to have your bat? Did anybody? You know, I heard the Cardinals were interested in me uh, as a pitcher. Uh, you know, when Geb drafted me, you know, I said, am I a hitter or a pitcher? And he kind of chuckled. I said, a hitter, ding dong. And I was like, all right, whatever you want. All right. Yeah, that's wild. That's 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 to me. That's one of my favorite uh, stories about you. Hey, teammate wise, you had a lot of teammates in seventeen years, and and uh, I'm going to just throw a couple names out there, and I may ask for a couple others. When you think of Juan Pierre, what do you think of? You know, hard work, dedication, a guy that that made himself into a really good ball player. Uh, you know, when you looked at him when he was younger, you're wondering. You know, he didn't have an arm, didn't have power, but he he, he worked hard every day, and um, you know he was the true example of, of hard work does pay off. 
Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think it's funny. I looked up Todd not all that long ago. He, JP's name comes up periodically, and you know what? It, you know, he he did. He made himself in a hell of a play. I think he had like 23, 2,400 hits. No way. Isn't that where I had no idea. Yeah. yeah. I had no idea. Um, he had well over 2,000 hits, and obviously he had, I, I want to say, don't quote me, I want to say he had over 600 bags. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he had 2,000 balls that didn't leave the infield. Right? <laughs> Great. Yeah. No, every day, every day, even, I mean, he'd, he'd come in and he'd be out there punting. So, you know, he'd been in the league, if, you know, good, good, good amount of years at that time. And he was still out there every day working hard. And because I want to give him shit and, and he's low hanging fruit. Um, your thoughts on first meeting and then ultimately playing with Spilly. <laughs> Ooh. Um, you know, when I first, I first met Spilly when I went down for a rehab assignment, triple with it. Um, yeah, you know, we had Jeff Salazar and Philly and his wife. We all went out to, to dinner and after the game. And that was the first time I met Spilly. Um, I guess what people don't realize about Spilly in 2007, when he came up to the big leagues, you, you never heard, hear of the 25th man really making a difference. Um, you know, it's, he's Spilly and he, he, he brought light to the team and he, he deserves a lot of credit for, for getting us over the hump once we, uh, you know, got to run there in 2007. Yeah. When you think back of, uh, of like favorite games, and I think most people think, okay, the, you know, the Saito home run, which was, you know, monumental in your emotion. And, and, and naturally when, uh, you know, the, you know, burn sliding into to first and, and, and the ball from Tulo beats him and, and, you, you know, you, kind of out of character, if you will. Um, do you have a personal favorite game that may have nothing to do with anything most people would associate Todd Helton's favorite game? Uh, two of them. One of them is the home run that Stilly hit to right center field against the Giants at home. Yep, Grand, grand Slam, yep. Grand Slam. Um, that was, very excited. You know, that was a big game and you know, kind of a momentum builder for us. Um, and then Hop's home run in uh, San Diego. Joe Thatcher. Joe Thatcher. And I could not even get a hit off Joe Thatcher. And uh, for him to, you know, at the cold air in San Diego at that time of night, to to go dead central against uh, Thatcher was, uh, you know, at that point, I, I didn't think I could hit it. We've been playing for so long. I felt like I had in like a week. And uh, I was just so happy that he uh, – you know, he got that game over with when he did. You know, it's it's funny, Todd, that you mentioned both of those because I, I I may have mentioned this to you in the past. I'm one of those people. You know, I study hard for each broadcast, and and I, I'm a good test taker in that. You know, I can give you all sorts of superfluous information between seven and ten. But if you ask me the next day who the hell won, I mean, I'd be able to tell you. But I remember two one thing about each of those. Um, instances. One, just as you said, the marine air had settled in in San Diego, and you could have stood at second base and not hit it out, and Hop hits it like, no doubt, dead central, which was incredible, right? Incredible. Yeah, and the other one, and this guy is one of the great characters of the game, it's one of the reasons we all love baseball, because there's so many characters, right? Is Jim Tracy, when Spilly hits it out to right center in extras to win the game, Jim Tracy is like feigning he's having a heart attack. Like of all the all the possible outcomes of the A B, he didn't have that one. 
Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I do remember what you, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, he couldn't believe it. Couldn't believe it. You know, he, yeah, he couldn't, he couldn't believe it. Which also, I don't know if Tracy ever told you this story. He's managing the Dodgers. I'm going to do you a Cliff Notes version. Todd, the Dodgers are up like a, a run or two on you guys, and you're coming up, and I want to say it's the eighth inning. And they had this this lefty down there that was really he he could he he got bonds out. He was tough on you. He was tough on all the lefties. The only reason the Dodgers had him, I can't remember his name, is uh is that he he was really good against the top flight lefties. So he trips coming down the stairwell of the bullpen. And nobody knows why the, the guy's not jogging in now. And and then people start focusing, and he had, like, broken his ankle or something coming down the stairs. And so now, do you remember this? Because now the Dodgers have to bring in a young guy, I think it's Soria, and he wore, like, goggles. And he and he comes in, and he had a big smile on his face. And Tracy, and because no one tells a story like him, Says he hands him the baseball, and then he Jim Lett, his his uh, you know bench coach, he, he he hands him all his stuff. Tracy goes, I ain't watching this. He goes, Helton's gonna fucking kill this guy, and he and he went down the stairs, and like ten seconds later, you hit the ball in the bullpen, and now the Rockies lead, and he yells up to Lett. He goes, How far? <laughs> back wall of the bullpen and he yells back he goes fuck you i didn't want to know <laughs> did he ever tell you that story i've heard that story before i, I didn't remember it when you're saying it but yeah um yeah. He, he does tell that story pretty well though oh god it's what it, it is honestly it's uh it's one of my all-time favorite uh tracy stories who can uh he can really really sell one all right, man. So you uh, you're getting ready for spring training, and and um, I don't want to call it babysitting, but you seem to really enjoy working with the the next generation uh, of guys. What what is it that you enjoy so much about that? You know, just I remember how I was when when I was in the minor, wide eyed, hard working, willing to, willing to get better, and um, we we got we got a bunch of good young players, and I'm not just saying that, um, you know. So in the company line, uh, there's some guys that can make really make a difference. I'm talking position players. I don't deal with the pitchers that much, but uh, there's some guys that uh, that can play and are going to be fun to uh, you know come to the field and and watch. So I'm excited for those guys. And if I can say that you know I've helped them in any way to get there and be successful, you know I feel like I've done my job. Jordan Beck is a you know Tennessee guy, um, pretty athletic, pretty powerful. What do you got on him, real quick? You know, he, he is powerful. He's a big, strong guy. But, you, you know, he, you watch him take batting practice, and, uh, you know, he, he knows, he's out there with a purpose. He knows what he's doing. He can hit. Um, you know, he hits the ball all fields and, um, you know, with power. And, he's, you know, he can, he can run a little bit, too. So, he's, he's, you know, he's going to be there real soon, and he's going to be a good player for years to come. Yeah, I'm I'm excited about that. All right, two, I'm going to let you fly, and I really appreciate it, man. I know you, uh, you, you absolutely cannot stand being interviewed, and you're yep. you're good at it. You don't realize it, but you are. Um, of all the, you know, when whenever your name comes up, everybody always wants to talk about um, the various uh, idiosyncrasies and superstitions. Do you have one personal favorite that you laugh about, uh, maybe with Christy, your wife, and go, can you believe I did that? I mean, do you have one, like, you go, man. There's so many of them. Uh, you know, with the, the, you know, I guess the strange thing 
about it was, is I was, and I still am, I'm not superstitious, but I don't like people to touch my bathroom stuff. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I don't know what it is, but it still bothers me. But, uh, you know, my shampoo has to be in the right spot. My toothbrush has to be in the right spot. And I don't know, something about my bathroom stuff that, that uh, that that and getting to the field. Uh, you know, one time I got a, I got a ticket going to the field and the next day I went to the same spot at the same speed because I got four hits that, that night and got a ticket again. <laughs> but you know, one of them you told me is you were coming down and, and you, you, you stopped at like a seven 11 for dip and you took a route and you got to the yard and you had a good night the night before. And you realized, shoot, I didn't go the exact same way as I went the day before. You actually went back home. Yeah. Yeah. You know, when I when I retired, it was you know it was like a weight that then lifted off me. Um, I was tired of being superstitious, so I haven't been superstitious until the the Hall of Fame vote. You know, so it's been what ten years, something like that. Um, that that I've really hadn't been superstitious. So it, you know, it was kind of it was one of those things where you know I was right back in the same spot, trying to do the same things again to see if, what would happen. Yeah, uh, there's a million I I don't know. There's some I do that 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 crack me up. Like Preston Wilson looking for his pants one day. He had like a couple homers the night before, and because he did, you were wearing them, <laughs> which uh, which kind of cracked me up. Um, the day the day you had a full beard, and by the time the game ended, you were clean shaven because you were zero for four. Um, I remember. I had a hit my last time. Oh, did you get a knock? My bad. My last single. I was in L.A. and. Best part was Vince Scully, and he he realized, you know, through the side by side shot up there, um, I didn't even realize anybody noticed. But um, you know, I should have been watching my teammates play, but I was up there shaving my face. Crack up! I had I had one I told a couple weeks ago uh, when you know we were coming up on on voting or you know on the revealing of the of the vote, and you probably don't remember this one, but I, I do because I somehow was involved. We were in old Olympic Stadium in Montreal, and I'm, you know, naturally I'm in a full suit, and you know that place was ancient. And the hitting cage for the visitors, if you remember, was next to the television truck, the visiting television truck. I come out, Mike Hamilton, who was known as Milo, one of the coaches, he was throwing BP to him. You're getting pissed because he wasn't throwing enough strikes, and and Milo goes, "You throw to him." So I loosen up my tie, take oh, my jacket off. Do you remember that? Yeah, I do remember that. And and Milo goes, "You better hope he doesn't get three hits tonight." Right. My favorite story with you is when uh, we get on the plane. I, I hit a home run. Did you realize when you hit that home run, your fly was down? And I said, half my life I walk around with my fly down. It ain't no big deal. <laughs> I don't remember that one, but you know what? There you go. There you go. Hey, listen, man. Uh, I'm thrilled for you. Uh, I know. I, I know everybody who uh, who bleeds purple is thrilled for you as well. Thank you. Uh, it's awesome. A great ride. Yeah, it's it, it has been, and and best to your family and Christy, and um, I will see you in Scottsdale in uh, in the coming weeks, man. Yes, sir. All right, brother. See you, bye. So we'll see Todd here in a couple of weeks down at spring training. He really does enjoy working with the younger players and and especially the younger hitters. He still hates pitchers because great hitters all hate pitchers, um, but he he genuinely likes a lot of the young talent that. Um, are close to the big leagues. And some of those guys 
will get an opportunity at some point this year. And it's one of the reasons I got a little bounce in my step, and we'll get into that in the coming weeks as we uh, prepare for spring training. But once again, an enormous congratulations to 17, his entire 17-year career with the Colorado Rockies. And it finally happened. And uh, I've said this uh, again on other podcasts. When people have asked me candidly, especially right after he retired in 2013, would he get in? And I felt like he is deserving of being in the Hall of Fame. He put a Hall of Fame career together, but there was such vehement argument from the East Coast primarily against altitude baseball that I was like, he'll never he'll he'll never get in because people won't see it the way they are now seeing it. And and good for a lot of people out there for taking the time to be educated on Coors Field and the effect and the negative effect it has on athletes. But Todd Helton's a Hall of Famer, and that's awesome, man. I hope the whole city of Cooper is a town. The the hamlet of Cooperstown is uh, adorned in purple come uh, late July. That'll be a great thing. All right, now in seven days, we're going to start getting into, uh, because the Super Bowl will be over, we'll wrap that up. We'll start getting into the Avs and the Nuggets and and as they as they build toward trying to, in the case of the Nuggets, go back-to-back, in the case of the Avalanche, to make it two Stanley Cups within three years. And they're, all, and they're both candidates. And so we'll get into that. We'll have, uh, uh, hopefully, some guests on that can speak... Um, to the prospects for the Avalanche and the Nuggets as we move into the latter third of the respective NBA and NHL seasons, and we'll do some spring training stuff. Heading down for the first time on the 22nd of February, hobbling down there, as you learned last week after um, after knee and quad surgery, but uh, getting better every day, closer to 100%. And another thing we're going to talk about, March Madness is about a month away, And fingers crossed, there'll be two schools from our state involved in the field of 64, and that is Colorado State, pretty much, you know, barring, you know, just falling off the cliff, pretty much uh, as solid as it comes to be in the tournament. I saw where they're projected last week as a six seed by, you know, somebody who's in the know. Uh, they just had a they had a nice home win against San Diego State, had a nice home win against Boise State. We'll get into those guys. Colorado, I have, as we tape tomorrow night against Arizona State, they've been great at home. They have struggled on the road. In fact, and I know throughout the country, especially in the Power Five, a lot of schools that are good struggle on the road. We've seen, you know, Top 10 programs lose regularly, it seems like, away from their home gymnasiums. But Colorado's going to need to pick off uh, a couple of road wins. Um, They still need to bolster their resume in what is a weak Pac-12. So they're at home against Arizona State. Arizona State's not great. They need to take care of business uh, tomorrow night, that being Thursday. And and they're going to need to steal... uh, you know, a, a couple of road wins, something they've been unable to do. They also need good health. I mean, they played uh, a number of times without Cody Williams, played without uh, Luke O'Brien the other day. So they need good health and they need to bolster that NCA resume. But we'll get into that uh, in the coming weeks as well. Big thanks again to Todd Helton. Big congrats, uh, as we said. Hope you enjoyed it. Tell your friends, and we'll do it again, as we like to say, in seven days. Stay well, everybody. Talk to you soon. Enjoy the Super Bowl.